0: Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage. Rolling here through March Madness with my co-host, Coach Manchie from Kimberly. Coach, how the bracket's doing? How we doing?
1: Bracket's been busted, but that uh-huh. happens every year. And that's the best part of all watching March Madness is, hey, if you're an athlete out there, you're a coach, don't uh, think too much of rankings because we know how that ends up. But uh, pretty excited. We had Sam Houser on the podcast, Brian. Plays for the Boston Celtics. His brother, Joey, who used to play at Marquette, is that Michigan State? Michigan State played, played Marquette. Marquette today at 415. So I'm really kind of getting jacked up for that uh, game today. And it's just awesome. My son and I do a tournament bracket together. So I think it's a cool father-son thing and kind of compete. And I, I know we're not the only ones. There's been a lot of great high school basketball games with the WIA in Wisconsin here. And uh, I know... One of the teams you're affiliated with, the Pier, yep. uh, just did an outstanding job. They won the Division One boys basketball championship, and um, I got the opportunity to see them on the computer against our Kimberly Papermakers. And they are just a first-class program and very talented athletes. So, quick shout out to that the Pier basketball program for winning the state championship.
0: Well, I think Dean. I think we were talking. We were. Uh, I went with Coach Strickland last night. Um, got to go sit with him and some of the the De Pere, um youth coaches, which was always fun, right? You had a lot of young kids and fifth and sixth graders, you know, aspiring someday to you know play in a state championship, kind of similar to what I did when on Alaska won in '88. A lot of our friends got to go, but I believe they said yesterday DePere the first team to go 30 and 0 in the state of Wisconsin. Incredible. So just incredible, just because of uh, you know they they also got a chance to play Pewaukee who I believe won the division two state championship yesterday. I'm pretty sure, you know, so they actually, those two teams actually played each other during the regular season and coach Mangan was the, was an official at that game. I think he got to officiate that game. So, um, and I saw coach Mangan yesterday. He was wearing the train, the chain, you know, shirt, you know, those, those officials, they got to prevent injuries as well. So um, huge shout out to that. Um, But coach Winchester and and DePierre and, uh, like like Dean brought up, we do consulting for their high school, an incredible group of coaches over there, very growth mindset uh, on what they're doing, things like that. I want to give one more quick shout out to uh, a young lady that we trained at Sports Advantage uh, since she's been in about seventh grade. Isabella Peterson plays at Clark College in Dubuque. They just won the NAIA Women's National Championship last night. So, Izzy, wherever you're at, huge congrats, a uh, huge part of the edge family uh, from back in the good old days when, you know, we had the little, little facility and things like that. So huge shout out to all those, those great athletes.
1: Hey, as long as we're going over shout outs, I want to have a huge one for coach Mang and my colleague who I work with, and he just did the division four state championship game. And, you know, for as a referee, that's always huge to be able to have that honor of doing a championship game. And I know that was a goal of his and he puts a tremendous amount of time into his craft of being the best referee that he can be. And I see that in my office. And obviously, you know, he takes a lot of pride in it and, and really wants to do everything he can to have athletes just get the best experience for playing in, in, in the basketball game. So a huge shout out to him. I know he takes it very seriously. And for all those coach listeners out there, athlete listen listeners out there, just understand that. You know, referees are are trying to do their best job as well. Just as much time as athletes and coaches put into a game plan. Remember, referees do the same. And it's very important. And I know the WIA is always looking for more referees. So young people, you know, just get out there and whatever you can do. We need to keep athletics going. And it doesn't happen without referees and umpires and officials and all that kind of stuff. The last shout out, Brian, and, and this has a lot to do with you, is you did an incredible job on the Westside Barbell podcast. I, I, I do want to commend you on that. And Tom Barry, obviously, when I was out there, when we went out with yourself and we met and we were at Westside Barbell, Tom Barry's an incredible human being and obviously so knowledgeable about the conjugate system and Westside barbell and and being Louis Simmons, right-hand man. And, and just, it was an incredible podcast. So listeners out there definitely want to check that out. It's uh, goes into things such as internships and, and just ton of great information that I think anyone can get something out of. So awesome job, Brian, on that.
0: Dean, I appreciate it. I mean, it was a very, to, to me, I think people laugh when they say it's a very humbling experience Um, but Westside barbell is obviously the Mecca of strength and conditioning in the world, not just, you know, in Ohio, not just, uh, what, what they, what, what Louie and, and and all the guys that have trained at Westside and worked at Westside. and, and, And even if, you know, they left under, you know, bad, you know, relationship or, or however they left, you know, they left something for those of us that are in strength and conditioning to learn from and build from the education that came out of that place. And, you know, quite honestly, you don't have to agree with the methods, but you have to respect them because, uh, they've stood for 30, 40 years now they've stood the test of time. That's the only system that, that we'll ever use at sports advantage because I know it works with athletes. And, you know, I was just incredibly humbled just, just to be there, you know, and I was also very humbled to go, you know, have lunch with, you know, two of the strongest women to ever, you know, compete Laura Phelps and and Leah Reichman, who we both had on our on our podcast. I met with them afterwards that day and just, you know, the relationships Dean that you and I have gotten out of coaching uh, that we've been fortunate enough to have is just, you know, it makes what we do really special. And uh, hopefully those of you that listen to our podcast feel that we're giving you some information that you can utilize. I mean, that's ultimately our goal. We've had people that have come before us, you know, the Louis Simmons and, and so many other Boyd Epley's that really got strength and conditioning going in the college setting. And, um, you know, Buddy Morris, we can go up and down the line that that have come before us, Dean. And hopefully, the, the, you know, the new crop of strength coaches feel like we're giving uh, that, we're, that they're getting something from us as we educate and teach and things like that. So that's a huge plug for you to share our show. Um, you know, again, we, we do this, you know, because we love it. And so please share the show if you, if you get a chance and and get it out to some different coaches and things like that. And it doesn't have to just be strength coaches. Obviously, we've had some incredible guests from all walks of athletics. And I think the messages that you can get, whether you're an athlete or a coach, are, are incredible for, for what we're doing. Um, so why don't we get started here, Dean? We've got a little little different scenario here. And one of the things that kind of spurred the topic that we want to talk about today was when I was talking with Tom one of the major misconceptions with using the conjugate method, and really to me with all strength and conditioning, is that you have a one size fits all type of program, and and and, and so on. And I think what I really wanted to discuss, and we talked about this offline, was, you know, how we get kids started in, in you know strength training, uh, resistance training, whatever you want to call it, because I think one of the top mistakes I see that a lot of high schools make. And a lot of middle schools make because now there's even strength and conditioning, you know, weight rooms at at middle schools now is that you're giving your younger athletes a one size fits all opportunity. So you walk in and you're doing the main exercise, whether it's a a back box, a box squat, a back squat. um, And some of these kids have never even walked into a weight room before or even a bench press. Um, And so I really wanted to go through kind of what you guys do. Dean and Kimberly. You know with your middle school kids how you progress them because i know you have a certain way um and then also share what we do at sports advantage for two of the major movements that everybody should be doing at some point in their weight room and that's a squat whatever variation it is and a bench press so dog what like for your middle school kids you know i know you have guys over there that are working in the the, the weight room over in darboy university there the the feeder feeder program to Kimberly. Um, what, what are you guys doing with the middle school kids over there? Like, how do you get them started?
1: Well, that's a great question, Brian. I think the biggest thing for our listeners out there and for sport coaches that deal with anyone that is at that age, the middle school age, and they're just starting their career as far as weight training goes, is they got to really master the basics. And I think too many times coaches are trying to copy paste a program and whether they're taking it from a college or a high school program, or at, off the internet, they are doing something that is way, way too advanced for their athletes. And I think that's the biggest thing that people have to understand. It's it, There's no microwavable approach. And just like a skill in a sport is going to take lots and lots and lots of good repetitions, the weight room is no different, but even more important because Obviously, safety is a concern when you're executing an exercise. So as we have talked to some of the strongest people in the world with Leah Reichman and the Queen Bee, Laura Phelps, they're constantly, even at the elite level, focused on their technique, every repetition, and always trying to tweak with something to give them a competitive advantage. So the biggest mistake, and the thing that's really a pet peeve of mine is... I see some programs and again on social media and, you know, the kids are doing these very advanced exercises and it looks really bad. And if it looks bad, it is bad. Right. And because of what you can lift in a sixth, seventh, eighth grade level has no direct correlation of how good of an athlete they are going to be in high school from what I have experienced in my 28 years. So making sure that kids understand the correct way to squat, the correct way to bench press. I think one of the best compliments when we went and visited Iowa, Brian, was a couple of your athletes that you've trained at Sports Advantage Uh are scholarship athletes at the University of Iowa, Big Ten football. And right away when you talked to the strength coach and he brought those names up, the first thing he said, he was really impressed on how well they do the exercises. And the base of any type of program for an athlete is so important because you wanna ingrained good movement patterns. And so many times kids or coaches are so, maybe pressured would be the word of being able to have this data that our kids bench this much, or they squat this much. And you're trying to impress maybe sport coaches or maybe some other people that are in a weight room. But what really impresses me as a strength and conditioning coach is when people come into our setting that we call our weight room, our classroom setting, and they come into that setting and they are impressed on one, you know, how kids are doing the exercise and they're doing it correctly. And I've been in some big time strength weight rooms. I'm talking about, you know, some power five schools here now, (laughs) Brian. And I've been very uncomfortable with some of the technique that was displayed at those type of levels. And just because they're great athletes, there should not be any reason why the technique is bad. And I think a lot of that comes to a lot of pressure. Yeah, You know, we have to get kids stronger and we have to get these numbers. And I always look at what is the risk for reward into anything that you put into a program. So, really getting great at the basic. We, for example, the bench press, Brian, say you yep. have to be able to do a good push up before you can start using a barbell. We say a push up is 60% of our body weight. Sure. So, if you can handle a good push up and you can get your limbs in the correct position and you can really do good push ups, you can make that push up more difficult just by changing the tempo. If you eccentrically go down lower, that is going to make that push-up harder. You pause at the bottom, it's going to make that push-up a lot more difficult. You pause as you're halfway up, and you pause, it's going to make that more difficult. Then, obviously, we know we can add some load, we can add some repetitions, we can do more volume, all that kind of stuff. But too many people want to skip and go right to the main meal. They want to go right to that barbell bench press. So, in our program, we want to make sure hey, they can do good push ups. And then, can they do rotational push ups to work on shoulder stability? And yes, you're still working chest, shoulder, tricep. Can they do a wide push up? Can they do a narrow push up? Can they do an offset push up? You know, all of these can they do a push up with their feet elevated? Can they do an incline push up, a decline push up, a barbell? against a rack yeah. type of pushups so it really teaches them to engage those lats and to squeeze that bar to increase more muscle tension. So these are all things that we are going to make sure our kids can do first on that. Let's talk about the squat. Hey, they have to be able to do a good body weight squat. And a lot of times we're dealing with, you deal with middle school age athletes and high school age, they're going to hit some growth spurts in between somewhere in there. And so even if they can do it at seventh grade and do it well, doesn't necessarily mean when they're a sophomore or a senior, they're going to be able to do it well. So they're constantly practicing a non-weighted bodyweight squat. So they can really understand, hey, I need to be able to make sure I got proper alignment. I'm not getting knee valgus. I got good ankle mobility. I can make sure I can get the parallel and I can do all these things non-weighted. So when I do get to a weight, I can go ahead and do that. And we'll start with body weight. It will hold something. So now we have more stability, Brian, and they will do that. Then we'll go to a you know box, for example, so they understand and they can feel what parallel means. Because as we know as strength conditioning coaches and sport performance coaches, if They squat, they're not getting the parallel. Now they're just getting those quads a lot stronger. And now we have even more of a muscle imbalance. And, you know, we tell our kids, those hamstrings got to be a 75% or greater of our maximal quad strength. Otherwise we're much more likely to injure, for example, our knee. So being able to do it right is huge. And I see a lot of videos out there and kids are putting all this maximal weight and this is what I squat. And it's not a true parallel squat. And in my case, I look at that from an injury prevention situation. And I feel that the person that is supervising in that, in that situation is only leading to injuries because they're not getting that muscle balance that is needed and working that posterior chain. And I know you're big on posterior chain and the conjugate system big. And obviously, you know, the, the show muscles are the muscles we see in the mirror. And we always say the goal muscles are the ones that are behind us. So them are just some examples of what we do. And then we'll start using a kettlebell. Kettlebell is a great tool in the toolbox to get kids to be able to do a goblet squat and to put that, you know, that kettlebell close to their spine. It's really helped. It seems to be a great way to get kids to understand how to do a squat. It's nothing spine loaded. You can make that squat more difficult again by going eccentrically slower, pausing at the bottom, obviously coming up fast and you can go ahead and do that. You could advance to two kettlebells and now you got kind of a front rack goblet squat. You start out with the barbell. We will do a zombie. You know, we'll do it with a PVC first. Yep, arms, straight, yep. arms right off, for example, because our progression is we like to do front squats. Yep. We like to get our kids to be able to do a front squat first before they even start spine loading. Yep. And you know, I look at our program, and that was one of the things I got from Coach Doyle at the University of Iowa back when you know, one of our coaches, Coach Hardy, played at, at Iowa. And they said the same thing. When their kids came on campus, regardless of how strong they were, Brian, they all the freshmen started with a front squat. Yep. And it didn't matter if they squatted 500 pounds coming in or 600 pounds, they all went back to that front squat. And that front squat, obviously develops a lot of core strength and so on. So, you know, you're always assessing the athlete. You want to put the athlete in a good position for them to be successful. I remember Logan Bruss. Logan Bruss had a big growth spurt for us. And it was a situation where, you know, he was kind of having some spasms in his back because he was growing so fast. And he wanted a back squat. And we put him, for example, on a pit shark machine, Brian. Sure. he could still get strong, but yet he didn't have to worry about know, getting all these kinks in his back because his his body just wasn't caught up with the growth spurt that he had, the big two, three-inch growth spurt he had in the summer. So I think coaches out there always got to look back and say, hey, what's best for the athlete? Because I'll tell you, you can't tell the athlete because I'll tell you, Logan Bruss wanted to squat with his teammates and his friends. So there's a situation where you just have to have that one-on-one conversation with that athlete and say, hey, Hey, you got to trust me here. This long-term is going to be more of a benefit for you. And as long as you talk to that individual and say, hey, this is going to be much better and they trust you, it's always going to be the best fit. And I always think of long-term athletic development. And then when our kids, you know, get older and they can proficiently do a squat, we'll start back squatting them, absolutely. But, you know, everybody thinks, for example, the back squat is the, the end all of... You know, getting strong. There's lots of different ways to get strong. And I know when I hand it over to you and you talk conjugate, you got tons of different bars, tons of different ways that you change that stimulus and which way you can increase tons of leg strength and back strength.
0: Doug, that was pretty good. I I didn't know you were going to go full gamut the whole time. That was was good stuff. Uh, But it's something that we're both really passionate about. And I knew that this topic that we'd get a lot lot to discuss on this because at the end of the day, this is really what builds longevity in your program, you know, and and longevity creates those numbers because kids are able to train over the period of time. You know, for us, we're in a different scenario because we have kids that are, you know, fifth grade all the way up to maybe sophomores in high school that have never touched a weight before. And so we treat them all very similar um, as, as we start them, you know, and obviously the box squat is a foundational movement for us. And so the first couple days they're in, we just want to teach them like where their box height should be with a body weight, you know, arm straight, kind of like you called a zombie type thing, but we don't have any weight. We just teach them to get used to sitting onto the box because one of the things that drives me nuts is when I watch, you know, social media, Twitter, blah, 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 whatever you want to say, all these gurus and strength and conditioning that half the time don't show anything they're doing. They're just trying to sell shit. Um, but when they do show something, especially on the box spot, people are like collapsing to the box. Yeah, They're crashing into it. And like anything, that box isn't moving, but your spine is. Okay, so your spine and everything else is moving down into the box, accelerating. And then you crash into the box, To me, one of the best forms of injury prevention is box squatting correctly, where you teach the athlete how to absorb to the box. So there's deceleration that goes into it, right? Where you're actually forcing the hamstrings and the glutes to help slow the movement down as you hit the box. And so we start our kids off with that. We squat a little bit wider than normal because we're working on some hip mobility, internal, external rotation. Um, with our kids when we do it now, is it a power lifting wide? No, it's not ultra wide. Um, so we do kind of make an adjustment off of some of the things that, that, you know, West side or the literature would say, as far as wide box squatting, we will go wider than normal, but not, uh, ultra wide. And once the kids can do that, then we'll go into what we would call like a goblet box squat. So very similar progression to you. Um, so then they can handle load once they can handle, you know a. a what we would deem as a pretty heavy load for their body weight um, is when we then transition them over into a barbell ba- box squat. So everything stays on the box as we go. Um, once they can proficiently do that and we can start adding some load, then we will start adding some free variations like a front squat or you know some type of, of uh, free back squat, things like that. But it's very you know, integrated on these are the progressions that we go through. And then, like you said, you know, then we add the specialty bars. So we don't just throw kids in a safety swap bar or a UConn bar or a Cambridge bar um, until they can go through all the progressions. And for us, different than you, Dean, you know, we have seventh graders, eighth graders that do that better than our sophomores or juniors in high school um, because we can get a little bit more specific with them. And the best part about it is that motivates their friends, that motivates the kids they're training with to look around and say, hey, why is so-and-so able to do this? And I'm still doing this. Well, technically he's doing it better than you are. Um, And so that reestablishes the main point of technique is everything. And if you don't have good technique when you're doing that, um, at some point, either you're going to get hurt or you're not going to progress. And we take the safer route. We don't progress you until you can do it right. And so um, sometimes, you know, parents don't like to hear that. And, you know, they're like you said, parents are chasing numbers, just like, you know, some coaches are to me. Doesn't make, doesn't make any difference. Uh, we advocate for the safety of the athletes, the learning of the athletes. And again, you go back to these kids of, you know, you guys are starting kids in seventh grade, I think, right? We see kids in seventh grade. They got six years to train and to go through puberty and growth spurts and things like that that are naturally going to just get them stronger anyways. So you have to think about that. But the best part about the, what we're both saying here, Dean, is that if you teach the foundation, you never have to go back to teaching it or establishing it. So put the work in on you know these movements on the front end so on the back end, when they get older and when they do have to put some load on the bar and it's, it's, you know, pretty high intensive, they go back to their, to, to their teaching, to their training, to the things they learned at the very beginning. Um, and so that's how we go about the squat. Um, when you talk about the bench press, very similar. Can you do a good up? You know, um, and we really coach them up on making sure they have good hand position, thumbs outside the shoulders. When they go down, so just a regular push up because even you know I've had college com- kids come in, you know that are from power five universities, and I say do ten push ups, and they get their hands inside their shoulders and they're doing close grip push ups because they've never really actually learned how to even do a right real push up, you know. And so that you, you you take the path of least resistance, what might be easiest for you, and you know they they arch their back and their hips stay and and things like that. So again, push ups a foundational movement we use it in our assessments, things like that. Once they can do a good push-up, you know, then we then we put dumbbells in their hands. And so for us, you know, a barbell is attached, you know, between the right hand and the left hand. And this is just really basic. This is just how we look at it. So you're moving one thing. The dumbbells you have to move two things. You have to stabilize them both separately on each other. So you can also find imbalances With young athletes, maybe they're a pitcher, you know, at sixth and seventh grade. So their right arm is a lot stronger than their left arm. Well, you'll see it when you put dumbbells in their hands. And if kids are really unstable, we take them back a notch. And instead of, you know, just doing pushups, we lay them on the floor and we have, we have them do what's called a dumbbell floor press, where it's shortening the movement. They learn how to handle some weight. They bring it down very similar to a box squat. They pause on the ground and then they can press up once they get confidence with that movement. Then we put them back on the, on the bench and we have them use the dumbbells. And once they get really good with dumbbells, then we progress them to the barbell. Once they get good with the barbell, then we start using the specialty bars and some bands and change and things like that. But Dean, I think, you know, no matter what you're doing, it's got to be built off a great foundation.
1: Yeah, Brian, I think that's so important because many times, you know, these, kids have such great opportunities at young ages to play all these sports. But unfortunately, a lot of the type of movements that the sport coaches want them to do, they physically cannot do them. So I think it's so important, you know, for parents out there, I always tell parents, get your kid into gymnastics or get them into some kind of kinesthetic awareness type of thing, and then get them as soon as they can into a place like sports advantage and get teach them how to do these movements correctly because the older they get the more difficult it becomes and then they when they get older all they're concerned about is the product how much they're lifting where when they're younger kids don't care about that right away when they're in that 5th 6th 7th grade they're not concerned with how much weight that they can do. So learning those patterns in repet, you know repetition, repetition, repetition over and over and over with great coaching will put them in a much better situation because there's no microwavable approach again And too many people from what I see they get they want to get strong fast, they want to do this and that. And the other thing is the educational, piece of making sure that they're understanding how to take care of their body, that you have to have the proper nutrition, that you have to have the sleep, the hydration, the post-workout, start developing habits and then doing the exercise correctly. And that is just going to take off as they further the development. That I think is so important, Brian, because if you can establish those things right off the bat, as early as you can, and they can control their body weight. Now in those sports skills, when their coach is trying to work on the skill, their sport, they have the tools in their toolbox in order to do that. And that is so important for parents to understand and athletes to understand. So many people that I've seen being at the high school setting is they can do the skill really good, but they're just weak. The kids are athletically weak, and therefore, they get to a certain skill level, and then they can't improve because they don't have the power to do it. They don't have that foundational strength. And as you talked about, I just listened to your podcast, you know, the most important part of a program is the beginning, is laying the foundation for the individual. And a lot of times, I think, you know, every coach wants to be a varsity coach at the high school level. And the most important coaches, in my opinion, are the ones at the middle school level
0: that are dealing
1: with those, that are starting that, because that makes such a big difference on doing it correctly. Because you're going to have kids that are going to say, oh, I want to put more weight on, or I want to do this, or I saw this on social media, or my older brother at the high school is doing this. And let's be honest, they're going to go to the YMCA, They're, they're going to go in their basement of their friend's house, and there's going to be weights, and they're going to start doing stuff. So educating on them, to them, and saying, hey, this is more impressive if you do the exercise correctly, and if you just learn how to keep doing it, in the long run, you are going to make much better gains than the rest of the people.
0: Well, I think, too, when we had, you know, Mike Ganevac on, he talked about what they do in the middle school. Very basic stuff. Very basic stuff. Why? Because if you're in a middle school weight room, chances are you're going to have a lot of kids in there and most of them don't know what they're doing so to say okay take the bar off the rack put it on your back like this and goes deep they don't know and especially the young you know the young male athletes they see older kids they see they want to get stronger so they think putting more weight on the bar is the way to go about it i mean i've heard stories of of different middle schools where there's 80 kids in a in a, in a weight room with six squat racks
1: and they're trying to teach them on a power clean
0: let's not even go there but we'll just we'll stay that's away even, from that. we'll, we'll yeah, that's we'll, even
1: crazier. Yes. Cause if you've no. ever if you've ever taught oh. at the middle school and I've had that no, opportunity, just, yeah. Open it, up a impossible. whole new
0: worms. Yeah.
1: It's impossible I, it, with those kids' ages. Now, if you're at a specific place, and I know Brian, because you used to, you know, hang clean, power clean at Wisconsin, and you are one coach with five kids, that's a different animal. Right. That's a whole different animal. So I'm not against any of the Olympic movements, as we've said numerous times, Brian. We've coached them. I've coached them. Yep. you've coached them. We're all for it. I'm what's best for the athlete in their setting. And I think sometimes people get so pressured and uh maybe the the head football coach or the head, you know, sport coach at the high school is having somebody at the middle school run it or maybe they're running it. And they're saying, hey, you have to do this because this is what I want. Well, who's the person that is supervising the weight room? What is their expertise? How much equipment do you have? How much help do you have? Just make sure, just slow down. There's There's no one program out there that is going to give you a competitive advantage. Teach them the basics. Teach them the basics really, really well. And I know that's a thing that you talked about on the podcast get back to the west side one again is when you talk to those college coaches that you have sent as you trained those high when they were in high school and you have those conversations with those college coaches 99.9 percent of those college coaches want those kids not to be able to do these exercises so they can teach it the way they want them with their supervision and their setting to benefit them i had one a coach I was talking to, he says, Hey, you don't do any of the Olympic movements at the high school level, and you got guys that are going, you know, it, it to big time schools and, and getting athletic scholarships and all that. And I said, Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I look at that as a positive. If we've never done any of those things, and now they go to another setting in which there's lots of coaches that want to coach that up in a very competitive setting with great supervision and great coaching that should only elevate that person's performance if it's done correctly. So to me, that upside of that athlete is even better. Correct. And they can do it the way they want to do it. I know it's very difficult when somebody is doing very, some things technically very bad to try to change those things. So why not get them to where you want them? And I that was like that down in Madison when I was down as an intern, when some of these kids came in and they were doing some of this stuff and it was so bad, it's like, oh, boy, now we got to start all over from the basics anyway and try to break those bad habits that they have. Well, and
0: too, Dean, like at the end of the day, you're responsible for the success of the athletes at Kimberly High School. You're responsible for the health and safety and the development of the kids at Kimberly High School. Your job is not to put them into college. Correct. I mean, that's your want. You know, you you want them to have success and things like that. And at the end of the day, your job is to do what's best. Same with me. My job is to do what's best for our athletes at the time they're with us and to give them the ability to have success at the time they're with us. Um, We don't run other people's programs. I mean, I had a guy that, that you know, signed a pro contract that came back and said, will you take me through this workout? I said, no, I won't. You know, and he's a pro football player. I said, I'll take you through our stuff and and train you our way. But I, like, I'm not, I don't read off a sheet of paper, somebody else's workout um, to try and do that. And to your point with the college coaches, 100% of the time we call a college coach and we say, hey, you know, just want to introduce myself you know, this and that, um, anything that they should be aware of and a hundred percent of the time, just make sure they're in shape, right. Just make sure they're, you know, and, and I think, uh, Lewis Carell talked about that. The most important thing yes. when you lead is you can breathe. You know what I mean? And then keep doing what they're doing because there's a reason why they got a scholarship. There's a reason why we want them. And part of it, part of it, not all of it. Okay. And that's the one thing that, you know, we do a good, we're, we're only part of the equation, Dean. We're only part of the equation. Part of it is what they've done with you guys in training. So keep doing what you're doing on that end. We will teach them what they need to know. We will teach them
1: what they need to know. And one thing, Brian, with us too, is we'll get some kids. And, you know, it's obviously one of those things where a kid will sign at a college and it's getting towards the end of their senior year. And that college will get them a workout to start in the summer before they get on campus. And a lot of those different programs are just a guide to get kids to be able to try to do something on their own. Right. And, you know, they'll ask me, Hey, can you teach me how to do this? Can you teach me how to do that? Or now the new thing is, you know, they are going to not only have the program, but then they're going to show them videos on how to do stuff. I'll tell you athletes, there is no rush. If you are not doing those things, I always say the exact same thing that you say, Brian is, You wait till you get on campus and then they will teach you those type of exercises under their guidance to make sure that they're teaching it their way. And then you're nice and supervised. There's no hurry. There's no fear of, hey, you get on campus and you're not doing this stuff. And if you get on a campus and they are maxing you out on an exercise that they've never taught, I would question that. And just think if they, you know, give you a link to look at a video, it's not as easy as here's a video, this is how it's done, here's the teaching cues, go ahead and do it. It's not that easy. And when you start talking about any type of exercise, there's constantly trying to get better with technique. And then if you're doing Olympic type movements, it it is a progression and you must work at that technique on a daily basis so it's not a hurry we tell our kids you cannot do any program in our setting unless it is our program because this is what we do this is how we teach it we know it's safe we know there's a progression there's a method to the madness of the program and that's it and if you want to do your own thing it, then you can go to a different type of setting and do that on your own But when it's in our setting, it's controlled and safety is number one. And we're always going to be assessing the technique and we are going to make sure those individuals really hone in on mastering that technique because getting great technique is the quickest way to get strong. And anytime you try to progress too fast, Brian is when kids get injured and kids always want to get strong real fast. And I'll tell you for all the listeners out there, There is not one program or one specific exercise that is going to get you strong very quickly. It's just not. And if you have an injury and you come off an injury and people clear you to go ahead and participate, understand when you're doing those rehabilitation type of exercises and they're getting your movement patterns that even when they clear you, It's not a goal to start going 100% and go crazy. You still have to ease into that progression. And we see so many times, and I get it, I was the same way as an athlete. You're so excited to get back into your sport. And sport coaches are like, oh, that person's cleared. But being physically cleared and mentally cleared and getting that person accustomed to wherever you are at in your season is a job that you, the trainers, the coaches, and the athlete all got to be on the same page.
0: Well I think, you know, just to kind of finish this up, Dean, you made a great point and I wanted to follow up on it. We kind of went on a little different tangent. but to me, in the middle school, that's where you have to have your best teachers for for your for your kids. And if you are in that role as a as a coach, you know for a for a high you know for a school district, You have to take a lot of pride in that. And I talk to our guys. I can use our scenarios too, Dean. When I talk to guys that want to work for us or want to work in strength and conditioning, the first thing they always say, I'm like, well, why do you want to be a strength coach? Well, I want to work with pro athletes. I want, come on now. You know what I mean? I mean, at the end of the day, pro athletes for the most part could do their own stuff and be just fine. Most of them know what they're doing already. They know what they want. And second of all, those are, pretty much outside of just knowing their bodies and their demands, probably the easiest group to train because they're already developed. You just have to make sure that what you're doing is going to give them the best opportunity to, to play in, you know, on Sundays when I use my NFL guys or give them the best opportunity to recover from a 17 game season. You should want to be involved In the development of younger athletes, that's 7th, 8th graders learning how to teach, train. Most people don't want to do that. And you want to know why, Dean? Because it's work. It's hard. It's hard to coach those kids because you're going to get 10 kids doing a goblet squat if you have a group of 10, and all 10 are going to look different. And as a coach, it is your responsibility to correct them until it's right. That old adage like Nick Saban, We're going to run a play so many times that we can't get it wrong. You want that kind of technique, that kind of coaching. I tell our guys all the time, when it comes to technique, we always win. We will always correct until it's right. We're not going to get frustrated with a kid or an athlete because they can't do the technique or they can't figure out the technique and just ignore them. I see that all the time with coaches. They get frustrated because a certain athlete can't do it. Well, guess what? That athlete might just be happy he's in the weight room. He may not have aspirations of of playing in high school or playing whatever. He just might be there because he wants to be with his buddies. But guess what? If you teach him how to do it right and continually foster that, that kid may develop and at some point maybe, I mean, look at A.J. Klein. Look how long it took A.J. Klein to develop. Now that guy's making millions of dollars playing NFL football. What would have happened if you'd have been like, ah, you know, this kid's not really developing. We're just going to look the other way. So at the end of the day, you got to take a lot of pride if you're working in a middle school weight room and the kids doing this stuff right, because at the end of the day, if you don't, that's on you. Okay, the kids come come to train because they expect to be taught, not watched. Okay, you're a teacher, not a watcher. You're not a monitor in a weight room. Okay, and it's something I'm very passionate about because I hear it all the time. And there's reasons. And if I offend someone here, I really don't care. Okay, there's reasons why. Parents are now starting to say, Well, I want to go somewhere else to train because we teach our kids. We teach them how to do right. There's reasons why people want to play football at Kimberly High School because they are taught, they are fostered, they are loved, they are appreciated, they are held accountable. Everything that kids need, okay, are being done. And that's why people want to be a part of that.
1: Right. Yes. And just, Coaches out there, anybody that's supervising weight room, just keep it simple. Yeah, Master doesn't have to be basic. that
0: rocket science,
1: yeah. Master the basic, don't fall into a trap of you are dealing with high and advanced type of exercises. They're These are beginner athletes. They need to understand how to push correctly, how to pull correctly, how to squat correctly how to hinge correctly, and how to carry the basic movements. And if they can do that and they can control their body weight, then the reward is you can start to progress them, but progress them slowly. There is no big time advancement. There's no hurry. If you look at a person, if they start in seventh grade, sixth grade, even they have four, five, six, what, seven years if they start to be able to hone in on their skills and get stronger. And it will happen, one, if they know how to do it correctly, and two, then if they're consistent. And that's the key. And when you start somebody out, the first thing you need to do is you need to tell the reason, tell the why behind why you're doing the exercise, how it's going to benefit them and develop a relationship of trust. So you can strengthen the tendons, the ligaments and the muscles and understand that the athlete has to have a great experience. It's just like youth athletics. If that individual has a very bad experience, it might be the thing that turns them off from continually having to go into that sport or play in that sport or in this case, exercise. Right. And this isn't even about athletics, Brian,
0: right. Long-term life
1: should understand how to do resistance training, whether it's body weight or with a barbell, kettlebell, a dumbbell or with bands or whatever is this is a lifestyle. And this is about wellness and not only about the body, but the brain and what I try to think of, as a person that helps people with exercise and sports, whether we want to call us strength and conditioning coaches or sport performance coaches or FIED or, or teachers or whatever we want to call ourselves, is we want to get the kids to understand the benefits of resistance training, exercise for mind and body. And if we do that, we're going to be successful because not everybody's going to be a professional athlete, but everybody's going to have that ability to be a pro and to be able to do things that are going to help them be successful in their life. And the people that I know that are the most successful, especially as they get older, do some kind of exercise for their brain and their body. And they just do, whether it's resistance training and, and resistance could be swimming. You know, you talk about, your business partner, Joe Thomas, you know, when he got done with his playing career and he got himself in excellent shape, it was resistance training in a pool. And why? Because the joints were beat up from playing 10,363 snaps in the NFL and from pounding and pounding, pounding. So because of his experience of understanding the importance of weight training and exercise, he could take that after his playing career, and put that in a good situation, and get himself very healthy after his playing days, and that's what it's all about.
0: Well, Dean, I think the last thing that I just want to add, and and you know, then we'll shut her down today, is if you don't know, ask for help. Ask for help. Um, I, I got a message, and in I'm going to share this, and I'm not going to share the guy's name because he's a good friend of mine and I have more respect for him now than I think I ever have. You know, we we were talking about, you know, working with a program that he supervises from a consulting standpoint. And I got a message from him last night telling him how nervous or for him telling me how nervous he's going to be to meet with me because it's going to show how little knowledge he actually has on the topic of strength and conditioning. And I said, that's why we're meeting. And I said, why are you nervous? And he said, well, he goes, I feel kind of like imposter syndrome. Like I've been trying to do that, you know, and I said, dude, like I have more respect for you right now than than ever had before, because you're willing to say, you know what, I'm reaching out because I want what's best for my kids, you know, and that was hard for me to read because he is a good friend of mine and I've known him for years and I know it was hard for him to text that. But to me, that's the impact that we make in people's lives. And if you don't know, ask for help because we go into coaching to give kids the best opportunities. And that's why that's, you know, that's why you do what you do. That's why, you know, I do what I do. That's why we started doing consulting for high school so we can help. Um, You know, we want to help educate coaches and teach coaches so the kids get the benefit. This isn't about us. You know, it's about, you know, like even last night watching, kids hold a gold ball, put a, put a gold medal around their, around their neck and watching young kids watch these kids do it. And having the parents say, see what happens when you work hard. You know, that was one of the messages I heard last night as I was watching uh, the division one game, see what happens when you work hard guys, see how important the weight room is, see how important that, and it's just, just fosters everything guys. So at the end of the day, Dean and I are here to help uh, my staff, you know, I know that Dean's staff as well, always sharing knowledge. So, if you're, if you have questions on some of this stuff, how to get kids started, message us, you know, we're here. We want what's best for our athletes in the state of Wisconsin, across the country, but mainly in the state of Wisconsin, we, we, we want them to be taught correctly. Um, so they end up loving being a part in the, in the weight room. Just like you said, though, not just for sports, but for life at the end of the day, the, you know, athletics teaches kids so much more about life than, um, than really I believe anything else can. So. It's going to wrap it up. Just got a couple of quick announcements. Remember, the Edge Baseball fundraiser is on April 6th. It's our wine and uh, tasting event. So, we got a fundraiser there. We got some great autograph things that, that people can win. Uh, July 22nd at the Lake Country Dockhounds is Joe Thomas Bobblehead Night. Make sure you come check that out. Get a Joe Thomas Bobblehead. Uh, you might see an interesting collaboration there. Some of the adults, you may want to check that out as well. We'll, we'll keep you up to date as we go on that. Dino, appreciate you hopping on, sharing a lot of information that you guys do at Kimberly. Um, You guys are obviously a first-class organization. Hopefully, everybody got a lot of this. Share the show, and we will see you next time. Chop it!